is the Denver running game one to avoid this season? What NFC West receiver continues to be unfairly ignored in drafts? And what tight end on a new team is turning heads in practice? Plus a $250,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Jason Steve sits in for Dave Gerzak tonight to talk about being perennially successful in Dynasty Leagues, how you should handle Julian Edelman in drafts, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Jason Steves is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your extra special Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST Radio Studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My normal co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. However, sitting in for him tonight is a highly accomplished FFPC player who has been playing high-stakes fantasy football for 15-plus years. He is a former bare-knuckle challenge champ. He is a former off-the-grid challenge champ. And he is a world auction champion. His winnings have totaled close to $250,000 in his career. A seven-time FFPC Dynasty and Football Guys League winner. Please welcome my co-host for the evening, Mr. Jason Steves. Jason, thanks uh, so much for hanging out with me tonight, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. This is uh, you, you are the pride of Canada coming on the show tonight. We're expecting you to class up the joint, given how uh, me and Dave normally <laughs> trash the place. But I... Uh, you know, you the the bar is set so low, but you are going to sky over it tonight. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try to do our best. Exactly. Yes. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll talk about the fantasy impact of the rookie rushers in Washington and Cleveland. Tell you which sophomore tight end we prefer between OJ Howard and David Njoku, plus much, much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you may have for us uh, in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. You can connect on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. 347-426-3682 is the number to reach us. That's 347 Game Over. High stakes fantasy football at gmail.com is the inbox that our uh, producer, mutual friend Rob, and our audio engineer Bryce are monitoring tonight. And uh, if you have any questions for me, for Jason, for both of us, uh, they will do their best to get those uh, questions to us in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. A uh, reminder tomorrow, it's a special weekend here. The Football Guys early bird promotion expires Saturday, June 30th. As long as you 
register for a football guys draft uh, tomorrow or by tomorrow and draft it before July 15th, you'll get a free $35 FFPC team credit. You can do that up to three times. Uh, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. Remember, if you buy three football guys teams, you get a $50 discount on the bundle as well. That expires tomorrow. So make sure you're taking advantage of that before it goes bye-bye. Room discounts at Planet Hollywood and $10 week one NFL viewing uh, for any Caesars property, uh, be it a restaurant, a sports book, a lounge, whatever you want. Uh, check that out at myffpc.com if uh, you are planning on partying and drafting out with us in Vegas, which I highly recommend. Uh, make sure you are getting it at a discount. Register for best ball uh, drafts starting at $35 uh, now and Dynasty Startups also available all at myffpc.com. Jason, to open things up before we talk about all your fantasy football accomplishments, uh, how you're prepping for pros versus Joes and all the uh, other stuff we're going to get to tonight when we pick your brain. Tell uh, the listeners what you do for a living. Actually, yeah, I own a motorbike shop here in Calgary. Um, you know, we do, we do actually get summer here. So, um, so we get a little bit of riding, not as much as you guys down there, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that's what I do for a living. I've been doing that for, oh geez, now 25 years. So. Wow, very exciting. That is that is awesome. Yeah. That's uh I gotta believe that you are you know, this is we've done, you know, three hundred forty plus episodes. I believe you are the first motorbike uh company owner ever to come <laughs> on the show before. So we are breaking new ground uh tonight on the show. It's fantastic. Uh well one of the things that, that uh that career that you've chosen allows you to do is to play in a lot of dynasty leagues. Uh do you think as as you um you know make the transition from dynasty uh, over to redraft now is here. We're entering July this weekend. Do you think that helps or hinders your ability to construct good redraft teams once the rookie drafts are behind you? Uh, I think it can, I, mean, I think I think it helps me anyways. I think it can hinder some owners, but I think it helps me a lot. I mean, going into the redrafts, I mean, you know the rookies really well. Um, as long as you don't overvalue them, I mean, that can be kind of a hindrance for sure. But uh, you know, as long as you don't overvalue them too much and, and fall in love with them too much, I think it helps kind of rank them and uh, and and you can see where the sleepers might lie kind of thing before everybody else does. One of the sleepers last year and, and uh, a guy that, you know, went undrafted, and it depended upon when you drafted last year, went undrafted in, in, in some leagues. It was Alex Collins, a guy who was, uh, you know, running at Arkansas with Jonathan Williams. He I can't remember if he got drafted or not, but then I, I know he was at, at some point was out there in Seattle, signed him uh, to their practice squad. Yeah. Then he goes to Baltimore. We know what happened after that. He was, he was very, very good for fantasy owners uh, in 2017. But as we shift now to this season to 2018, what do you make of Collins? I mean, is he a guy that you would target as a good value right at that four or five turn where he's going, or is that still too high for your taste for Collins? No, I think that's good value still. Uh, he's been creeping up the boards, uh, I think, right now. Um, but honestly, if you look at his stats, I mean, um, I think for rushers that carried over 200 yards or 200 carries uh, last season, he finished third in yards per carry. Like, I think it was 4.6 just behind Ingram and Gurley. So they're a pretty elite company, right? And, uh, I mean, I know people knock him for not being able to catch the ball, but if you look, go back, I mean, he didn't catch a ball for the first six games as he kind of got over to Baltimore. So the little catches he did, the 23 catches he had, I mean, if you kind of do the math, I mean, it's kind of more closer to 40 catches. I think there will be some some improvement there, especially with Woodhead gone. So um, I know I know people are worried about Dixon coming back too, but he's coming off injury as well. So 
I think it's I think it's Collins' show. Um, they didn't draft a running back, so I kind of like his value a lot there. I don't want to use hyperbole too much, but I'm trying to think back to an offense like Baltimore's this year, where there were so many unknowns, uh, you know, coming into the fantasy season. They basically revamped their entire receiving core. They they can't seem to to you know get a consistent tight end to produce ever since you know maybe like the Todd Heap Shannon Sharp days. And then they draft Lamar Jackson in the first round, and we don't know how long the leash is on Joe Flacco. There are so many unknowns on that Baltimore offense this year. I mean, you obviously uh, like Collins at the four or five turn. Is there are there any other Ravens that that you would count on that you would target that that you think could be an asset this year outside of Collins, or is it an offense that that you probably are going to be avoiding for the most part? Um, no, I think there's, I think there's going to be some, I mean, I, I, I like Crabtree this year. I mean, I think Crabtree uh, should have a decent season, even if there is un- the question marks and stuff like that. And if they're behind, obviously they're going to be throwing a, a ball a ton. And uh, with Crabtree being the only top receiver there, I think he should do well. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think there's going to be a few waiver wire gems from Baltimore. I mean, it's just, just picking the right one, right? Um, the rookie tight ends might do something there. Um, but that's kind of also why I feel Collins might catch a few more balls. I mean, I think maybe Jared Allen, you know, is involved a lot like he was last year catching the ball um, as well. So they're going to throw the ball. They always do. Uh, just, yeah, we got to figure out who, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, unwrapping that riddle and solving that riddle is, is going to be um, key to uh, to a lot of championships this year if you can get the right value at the right price. We're talking with Jason Steves, yeah. my co-host on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this evening, a man who is uh, approaching $250,000 in career winnings in his high stakes career. And part of your career, Jason, I would assume that there has been rookie running backs that has helped you or that have helped you uh, into uh, some very successful fantasy seasons. Tell the listeners why they shouldn't be afraid of drafting a rookie running back early, even if it is one in the first round, like Saquon Barkley this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Barkley's the real deal. I mean, uh, yeah, sometimes you got to take risks. I mean, another thing about these guys are they're, they're fresh legs. They have no mileage really other than college on their legs. So there's a better, less chance of them getting hurt over the uh, old veterans and stuff like that. So, uh, Barkley is the one that stands out this year in the first round. Um, but from all the hype and all the, and I watched him in Penn State there, I, I, I do believe he is the real deal. Um, is he creeping up maybe a little too early? Maybe. Um, but, uh, he's probably worth a, a first round pick in, in my opinion. Uh, the other guys coming on, I mean, guys, is, I think he'll, he'll be good in Washington for sure. Um, and then, yeah, some other early picks, obviously Royce Freeman might be a nice sleeper, but he's kind of creeping up a little too early now, but I hope the, uh, I hope the listeners like rookie running backs because we will be revisiting this topic over the next, uh, 50 plus minutes, uh, with, with guys, with Freeman, um, with, uh, with Nick Chubb as well. Uh, this is, this is definitely something yeah. that, that I want to uh, talk to you a little bit more about before we get to that. What's the opposite of a young running back and old receiver, Julian Edelman. Uh, he's suspended for the four, first four uh, games of the year. The the you know whatever it was, it wasn't necessarily a PED. It was some sort of foreign substance that they don't know what it is. There, of course, there's always a chance he could get that reduced or overturned. I, I'm not holding my breath on it. So, given what we know now, how do you handle uh, Julian Edelman in in FFPC drafts right now, Jason? If if you're drafting Julian Edelman right now, yeah. 
in drafts is going I mean, right think, in that, that that mid seventh round. Is that is that a good spot for him? Yeah. How, how would you how would you uh, handle him? I, I, yeah, I think that's more than fair. I mean, I think uh, I think you're getting obviously Brady's favorite target there. Uh, seventh eighth round. I mean, you're getting probably a, a wide receiver too there when he, when he is playing. So. Um, I think it's, I think it's decent value there. Uh, if you haven't, uh, you've left your receivers a little too long. Um, yeah, he could definitely fill in nicely. So I, I like, I like at most value right now, um, which is falling a little bit later, but, uh, I, th- I think he'll definitely perform for sure. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder, you know, as far as his ADP and how it's going to change, if it changes at all over the next two months, I mean, is it something where, he slips a little further. That does it go up a little bit? Does it remain the same? He's a, he's an interesting guy to yeah. to look at right now. And I think that what's really compelling to me, his ADP currently is the seven oh six. The next receiver after him at the seven twelve, it's Chris Hogan. So you have both of those Patriots receivers yeah. right there. Conceivably, you could get both of them. Uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly possible. Um, I don't know how likely it is, or or if you would advise people drafting in a best ball. Uh, format to get both Edelman and Hogan but if you did Jason I mean that's that's two valuable pieces of that New England passing game that you will get um, for the entire season and uh, you know take away Edelman out of the first four games well you should be getting some Hogan production there if you were to double up on both of those guys yeah exactly I mean yeah I think obviously Hogan I think a little bit earlier uh, before Edelman's suspension was a lot further down so he's definitely creeped up quite a bit there but yeah if you can if you can land both in best ball I I mean, uh, you know, Patriots, they always seem to score. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good value for sure. Um, you know, we, we touched on your dynasty teams earlier, and I, I myself included, uh, you know, as far as being a dynasty player and a redraft player, I get so excited for the rookie drafts, you know, flip-flop and picks and players and jockeying for position in the rookie drafts, and that's that's all fine and good. But then, you know, sort of by like the end of – May, I, I think the dust has sort of settled on what my team is going to look like, whether I'm competing, whether I'm building, whether I'm rebuilding. Uh, and I kind of, you know, switch into redraft mode and I, I sort of ignore my dynasty teams um, until I need to, you know, place those first bids of the season in the preseason or until I need to set my first lineup. With you um, managing as many dynasty teams as you do, is there, is there, a way to take advantage of this quote unquote dead period of dynasty right now. I mean, are you still slinging offers out there? Are, are you trying to load up on picks uh, for 2019 that you can get maybe at, at a, um, at a good price right now? How do you treat your dynasty teams during, you know, the middle latter part of the summer? Yeah, no, I'm always working on my dynasty teams, maybe too much for sure. Um, my wife definitely hates me for doing it, but uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm always sending offers. I, I never mind picking up picks for sure, because obviously our roster is uh, over, you know, we're over roster limit right now. So we got to, we got to cut at some point. So if you can do it now before, you know, before it's, you know, August and where we have to really cut, uh, this is the time to do it. Um, the only problem is a lot of people are focusing on redrafts, so trying to get a lot of answers right now is not the easiest for sure. But if you have, you can. If I can land uh, definitely some early 2019 picks for for some of the guys that are getting hyped right about now, it's, it's not a bad way to do it for sure. Yeah, and, and you you mentioned it with the roster cut down too. At this point, when nobody's under the roster crunch, and you can sort of like you know let your roster balloon up, I think it's interesting to try okay. to get ahead of that curve to try to 
you know, flip yeah. some of these players that you think um, might see their value go down uh, in the upcoming season yeah. and uh, flip, flip them for a pick, you know, and then that way it's somebody else's yeah. problem, or maybe it's not their problem at all because they don't have that many players to cut down on. But even if you're not getting like a first round pick, but flipping a, a you know, a, a top 35, top 40 receiver uh, for a second round pick. I mean, that's something. And then, and then you yeah. can use those picks to, to sort of compound and, and, and make a, a decent offer to move up in the rookie draft next year. I think like getting ahead of the curve and, and dealing these guys before, you know, you have to cut them and before everybody else is cutting players in your league. I think that's the, that's the way to do it right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you know, uh, all we have for, for volume during the season when you don't want to trade your roster is these picks. So if you're going to be in the hunt and if you can get some early picks now, um, you know, those picks can actually – by someone you might need down the stretch next year or during the season there. So, so yeah, I do try to get ahead of the game that way for sure. And that's uh, part of the reason why you've been so successful. Uh, let's talk about a couple of rookie receivers last year uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor. They probably should be taking another step forward. I know I like Corey Davis. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. The buzz is growing for Taewon Taylor uh, to really make his um, uh, impact on that uh, Titans uh, passing game. Rashard Matthews obviously looks very like a very solid receiver and, and a trusted target of Marcus Mariota. When you look at Tennessee bringing in Deion Lewis, who obviously is a skilled pass catcher, is Delaney Walker maybe in for a fantasy letdown this season with all these young guys expected to take uh, the step forward? Or do you think his value is still largely unaffected and he's going to be the, the Delaney Walker we've come to expect and, and see over the past few years? I mean, kind of a bit of both. I, I honestly think there will be a little bit of letdown, but it won't be much. I think he'll still catch his 55 to 60 balls this year. Um, I mean, he's not a 2015 Delaney Walker of 94. Um, I mean, last year I think he had 74 catches, 75 catches. So there will be, a, I think, a slight letdown for sure. I think Deion Lewis will eat to, into some of that for sure. And, and same with uh, Rashad Matthews and Taylor and obviously Davis. But uh he only scored three touchdowns last year. So, I mean, uh, even if his catches do go down, I think maybe his touchdowns could go up. So, I think, uh, you know, I think he's a solid play at tight end where he's going. And, um, yeah, I don't think it'll be too big a letdown this year anyways. Yeah, you know, I, and I'm kind of with you. You look at where he's going right now in um, in, in FFPC drafts as, as far as the uh, – as far as the tight ends are concerned, you have Evan Engram, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, all going ahead of him. So you're looking, I mean, if you're drafting yeah. Delaney Walker, he's the seventh tight end off the board and he's going in the early fifth. I mean, that feels about right. Certainly Kyle Rudolph going right around that same spot. You could go, I mean, that's kind of just whatever you're most comfortable with there, but, but I think Walker is, is yeah. going to be fine. It's not like, it's not like he showed signs of age. At least I don't think he showed signs of age last season. I, I think that he's still a valued part of what Tennessee wants to do and, and how they take that next step forward in trying to get to the uh, AFC championship game and eventually the Super Bowl. So I think Delaney Walker, as far as 2018 goes, I think you can still count on him as a, uh, a top 10 tight end at, at a minimum, uh, you know, as long as his health yeah. uh, dictates that. Jason no, Stevens is, uh, is our co-host on the uh, high stakes fantasy football hour tonight. Uh, you have been, in the FFPC off the grid the last few seasons, you are a former champion of that league, Jason. Now, the, the off the grid, for anybody who's not familiar with, you're basically using real money to bid on your uh, first-round pick, like where you pick in the first round and then where you pick 
in the second round. So if you if we could apply that logic of okay, I want to where do I want to pick this year in in like a standard FFPC main event or football guys draft. If you were looking at targeting a specific spot in the first round, Jason, where do you think it would be? Where would you like to pick if you could pick anywhere? Uh, yeah, I might not want to give up too much because I might still enter it. But um, <laughs> you know, it depends on yeah where the where, where the money is. I guess I mean uh, the last. Uh, Last year, uh, there was a huge drop-off in, in money after the first couple picks, and uh, so there was value, you know, after, you know, at, at pick three or four or whatever. Um, I, you know, if not to spend not any money, nine to twelve. I, I mean, I like where you know some of these guys are falling, and you got the turn as well. Or well, I guess you don't have the turn off the grid, but uh, I mean, Hopkins and Beckham and Hunt are kind of right around there. Um, those are pretty good values for spending, you know, maybe a hundred bucks or or, you know, even 10 um, on that kind of pick. Uh, but even five and seven, depending on how much, how cheap they get, uh, you know, with obviously uh, Elliot and, and David Johnson and Antonio Brown, you can't go wrong there. I don't think I'd spend the full amount this year, that's for sure. Yeah, how, how have you typically treated that in the past? Like, what has been um, sort of your experience? Have you, you know, gone expensive on a first, you know, one of the first few picks? Or have you just kind of laid in the weeds and, and just, you know, paid little for one of the few few spots that, that, that were left? Yeah, I've tried to do it both ways. I mean, believe it or not, I've had more success spending the money for sure uh, because there is uh, the skins every week. And so I think having obviously the, the top player uh, definitely helps with, uh, you know, I mean, the last uh, couple of years have been Bell or whatever, um, girly i mean but when they're putting up 30 points in one week um definitely gets the you might have a better chance at the skin um but and then you get that third first pick in the third round as well um but i've done it both ways but i have had more success spending money but there is some good players at the end of the board this year so i think maybe this year i'd leave it i think and to that point you know just thinking out loud i i think that this year's first round is is among the more deeper uh, or the more deep first rounds that I can remember. I, I don't, you know, there's always, it always seems like the, the top couple of picks, um, you know, everybody always wants those. And then there's a drop off last year. It was um, uh, yeah. David Johnson and um, Le'Veon Bell. Those are the two guys that everybody had to have, you know, and, and I think this year, typically what I've seen is, you know, 90%, 95% of, of the, the, the drafts I've commissioned online, it's been Bell or Gurley, uh, or Bell and Gurley, one and two. Um, every once in a while you see a Barkley up there, or David Johnson, most of the time it's been Bell or Gurley. But even, you know, looking deeper into the first round, you know, you alluded to some of these guys that are slipping. I mean, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, uh, Kareem Hunt, these, these Bell cow type running backs that you can get at the back end of the first round. You know, it used to be those guys would go up the, the, the you know, the, the early part of the first round and those receivers would slip but you can still get these, you know, 20, 25 touch running backs deep in the first round this year, much deeper than you could in years past. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. The, the first round is more solid than uh, it's been in a long time. For sure. There's not as many question marks. I'm sure there will be a couple of guys that uh, unfortunately don't perform, but it, it seems like you know, there's not too many misses. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, there's going to be busts, and we, we got to figure out who they're who they're going to be at this point. But right now, man, I, I I like a lot more players in the first round than I dislike for sure. Let's get a, a couple of emails here for you, Jason. That came in. Uh, the first one is from Dan in Arlington, Texas. 
and he writes, hi, Jason, what's been the key for you to sustaining success in high stakes dynasty leagues? Thanks. That is Dan in Arlington, Texas. Thank you for the email. Dan, you've certainly had a, a lot of success with uh, the FFPC dynasty leagues uh, at a minimum, Jason. Um, but you look at how you've been able to be so successful year in and year out. What do you think the key has been for you to, you know, maybe not winning the league every year, but cashing or, or going deep into the in the playoffs? Yeah, I think honestly, it's uh, honestly trades come into a big factor. As I trade a lot, and I'm willing to willing to listen, right? I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, someone might offer you something, and it might not be a good trade. When you look at it first, but you know they're asking for a player. You know there's always counters, so uh, being open to trading is is a big thing. And then you know I think uh, willing to trust some veterans as well. You know like everybody wants the rookies. I understand um, it's it's good to build a young core, but there's there's rookies like we talked about Edmund or earlier, and uh, you know Fitzgerald. I mean he's been around forever. I think I bought Fitzgerald a couple of years ago for a fourth. Um, you know it's uh, it's you trusting those veterans too and, and, and trading for picks and, and it's just been kind of a, a little bit of success that way. I think. Have you had, um, I don't know if you've even done this or had the opportunity to, but have you received any offers or made any offers for Larry Fitzgerald uh, for this upcoming season? I mean, we, 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 we're kind of assuming that it is his last year. Certainly he could change his mind and, and go deeper in that, but what would you be willing to pay for Fitz um, given his track record for success? The fact that he, doesn't look like he's lost much and he should be in for another big season. What would you be willing to give up for Fitz, even if it's only a, a year's worth of his stats? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's why I accumulate picks, but uh, I mean, I, I'd probably, if I, if my team was hurting at receiver, I'd definitely give up a second. I wouldn't have a problem doing that there. Um, most owners don't want to pay for the old veteran and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, a second is just as much gamble, and at least you know what you're getting with it. So uh, if they're going to help you win money and, and keep you near the top, uh, I, I definitely would pay a second, no problem. Uh, other email here I want to get to. This is from Bill in Westerville, 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 Ohio. Uh, how does your approach change in pros versus Joes, given that it is a 28-round best ball than if you were drafting in a 20-round managed league like the Football Guys Contest. Good luck this season, Jason. That is Bill in Westerville, Ohio. Yeah, this is always a, a compelling question for me. I like to ask people what, how they you know, switch their strategy up. But when you're drafting in, in pros versus Joes um, in a league that you're, you know, to set it and forget it, you got to obviously make sure you don't get skunked on defenses and, and kickers and make sure you have adequate depth. But does your strategy change all that much between that and, and a 20-round managed league? Yeah, I think it changes a bit. I mean, obviously, running backs are a lot more important because you just can't count on in injuries and stuff like that. Or you're going to get some injuries. So definitely the first first few rounds, you're, you're targeting the running backs a lot more, and uh, you don't want to be short on those. I mean, you can always get the uh, flyers for receivers and stuff like that, but uh, I feel like you have to lock down, uh, you know, at least one, if not two good starting running backs for sure. That, that's, uh, you know, such a key to victory, too. If, if you can get two guys that remain relatively healthy and, and relatively involved with their offenses, um, uh, you know, all, all season, uh, that's such an advantage. If you can hit on those two running backs early on, I am with you on that. I don't know if you saw this, Jason, but uh, Darren Armani, who uh, we love, puts together the pros versus Joe's uh, competition every year from FantasyMojo.com. Uh, he released 
uh, all the divisions and the draft order for all the pros versus shows uh, competitions this year. And I believe you are in draft number six. It is the final one on July 31st. Um, you have the, you pulled the three pick in that draft. You're drafting the in right in between Shane Hallam from fakepidskin.com, another uh, FFPC player. And then Scott Barrett uh, from pro football focus. He is going to be drafting four. So you look at what you're doing there at three at, at, you know, if you're not comfortable, don't say it, but I'm assuming Gurley and Bell go one and two. Who are you looking at at three in this draft? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I probably I probably lean towards Elliott there, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it's close. I mean, David Johnson, we'll see how he does uh, with his wrist injury and stuff like that in contract. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big Elliott fan. So, even with the Cowboys not having too many receivers, I think that I, I think they'll definitely – give him the ball a lot so see Elliot is an interesting guy this year because you make the argument like he is the he is the offense in Dallas this year it will go through him they will run him into the ground 25 touches a game no problem because you know they're going to need Hearns or Gallup or somebody to step forward there I have been shying away from Elliot because of that reason now I know that the offense the offensive line there is just stellar um, they just signed Zach Martin to that insane contract, obviously, and he earns it, you know, so that they do have uh, the guys up front to create the holes for Elliott, and Elliott is, is certainly a, a talented player. I just get nervous that at some point the pressure of carrying that offense by himself is going to collapse on him, and, and he's just going to, um, you know, not going to be able to sustain that kind of success over the course of the season. Now, I guess you can make the same case uh, with David Johnson, but he does have fits there too. Uh, so I, I'm just – you know, kind of that, that's kind of where I'm at on Elliot, but you take the opposing view of like, look, he's, he's, he's their meal ticket. He's going to get a ton of volume. And that's why you take him at three. It's close. I mean, it's close. I just, yeah, I haven't heard too much from David Johnson yet. So, I mean, I, I definitely, he'd be definitely uh, right up there with Elliot. So, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure Dallas has something to say. I wouldn't even be surprised if Brian signs back. Who knows? Yeah. Boy, wouldn't that be a story? And you and uh, yeah. you will have basically more than a month to decide since you're not drafting until July 31st. So certainly things can change, uh, uh, you know, in, in the next uh, few weeks for sure. Uh, we, I want to get to the news uh, and notes around the NFL before I do that. Uh, give us a guy that uh, you're actually going to be staying away from in the first couple rounds of, of drafts this year because you think he could be a bust. And then a guy that you think might be flying under the radar and not a lot of people are talking about him, a guy – who could be making some noise um, uh, that that's not really going to the middle or, or latter parts of, of drafts. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if I have one guy that I'm staying away from in the first couple of rounds. I mean, uh, may, maybe Freeman a bit, but I mean, he's also kind of falling into the third round too, or, or Jordan Howard, maybe someone like that, but I'm not really staying away from it. If there's value, there's value. Um, there are definitely guys that, uh, I do feel that are, are going to be value in, in some of the later rounds. Like, I mean, I think T.Y. Hilton getting luck back. I think uh, he could easily bounce back. I mean, I think he only had 50 catches or 58 catches or something like that last year. I mean, he had 91 catches with luck uh, the year before and 1,400 yards. So I think, honestly, T.Y. Hilton getting him in the fourth round or late third, uh, I think there's value there. Um, I think Amari Cooper could bounce back. I like Hilton more, but there's another one. And then there's a guy like, guys like uh, Crowder. I mean, in the 11th, I think he's going in 10th, 11th, somewhere like that. I, 
Uh, Alex Smith isn't really a deep ball passer. He likes to find his receivers, and uh, he could easily be a nice PPR guy for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on Crowder, and I, I feel like he's he's going to be a guy that, that is going to start creeping up. We're, we're hearing some positive reports out of Washington about um, the relationship and the chemistry that Alex Smith has already formed with Jamison Crowder. I think he is a fantastic value in the double-digit rounds, and honestly, even if he ascends uh, up to the seventh or eighth round, I, I still think that, uh, that that's a guy I'd be looking at in those rounds there to, to kind of complete or, or round out my receiver course. So you and I are of one mind on Jameson Crowder for sure. Uh, thanks to Football Guys, Roto World, and our producer and mutual friend Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's talk about Austin Safarian Jenkins, Jason. According to Mike K from FirstCoastNews.com, ASJ was actually open quite a bit during the non-contact practices uh, with Jacksonville and uh, made a lot of impressive catches uh, for uh, w- with Blake Bortles and, and for the Jaguars in the uh, OTAs in the minicamp that Jacksonville held uh, already this season. I think back to 2017, I had Austin Safarian Jenkins on a few teams, and uh, he kind of drove me crazy because he was putting out good games. He'd score touchdowns, and then those touchdowns would be reviewed and taken back, or they wouldn't have happened because there was a penalty on the play. So it was uh, extremely frustrating. The talent is there. It seems like he's developing uh, some uh, some pretty good chemistry with Blake Bortles there. And you look at the what they did um, in this offseason, they let Allen Robinson go. Uh, they signed Marquise Lee. Um, they didn't really draft anybody that high. I mean, they, they, they um, uh, signed Dante Moncrief as well. But there, there's going to be an opportunity for Safarian Jenkins there. And he's going in the 10th round of FFPC drafts right now. Uh, Jason, to me, that, that, that there's a value in, in getting him as your second tight end uh, in the 10th round. What do you think about ASJ and, and his prospects this season? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, these tight ends, like, if he's going in the 10th round, you're getting a point and a half for reception in these leagues. Um, I mean, he could be, easily be a nice flex uh, as your wide receiver or tight end number two. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't. They have a lot of young receivers, uh, Westbrook and Lee and um, uh, uh, Keen Cole. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, – definitely uh, there's a good chance for, for Jenkins to put up 50, 50 catches easily. And then, and like you, as you alluded to tight end premium league. I mean, that's, that is a, a yeah. good way to spend a, a 10th round pick or even 11th if you can get them that late uh, as well. You touched on Royce Freeman earlier. And I want to talk about uh, what Bucky Brooks from NFL.com had uh, to say about him in a report earlier this week. He says that uh, Freeman actually has a chance to do quote Kareem Hunt type things. And uh, obviously, if that's the case, those are good type things as long as they're on the football field. Uh, Brooks says Freeman is one of his favorite sleepers uh, in, the, in the 2018 NFL draft. And he is actually going to have a chance. I mean, he will compete for the starting job. He's going to have a chance to be the lead running back for Denver, who uh, has publicly said they want to be more of a run-based team, which I guess, you know, a lot of teams say that in the offseason. It's one thing to say it and another uh, thing to actually do it. But they do have the defense. Um, you know, behind uh, behind that team to really, you know, have sort of a round and pound type uh, team where they would be able to ride a guy like Freeman. He's going to be going up against uh, Devontae Booker this year. But your your thoughts on Royce Freeman? I, I it seemed like from when we were talking before, uh, you actually kind of liked him as as a uh, sleeper running back who, who might be like a top twenty guy this year. Yeah, I do, I do like him. I like him a fair bit. Uh, the only thing is, like, yeah, looking at some of the draft boards now, all of a sudden he's kind of creeping up almost too much. 
Uh, there's still, unfortunately, Booker there. Um, they did say earlier in the season, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, that they, they were going to run Booker and give him a good chance. So I feel like in some ways it's going to be a uh, two-headed monster, but I do feel Freeman's the better back for sure. So I think I think we'll see a lot of Freeman, um, but maybe early. Uh, it might be one of those guys that you might have to wait a little bit. We'll get to more on the Broncos running. We have an email about that later on, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it then. But let's talk about another guy that you had already brought up, uh, the running back from LSU, the rookie, Darius Geis. Uh, ESPN's John Time uh, says that uh, Geis is going to have a big impact from the get-go, and he actually said it would be surprising if anyone other than him opened the season as the Redskins uh, starting running back. Now, he slipped in the draft. Uh, that could have been because of – you know, off the field concerns, character concerns, what have you. But there is no doubting Darius Geis' talent. He looked the part after he took over for Leonard Fournette uh, for the Bayou Bengals last season. And you look at, um, you know, where he is going in, in drafts right now, if you wanted to get him, you could wait until the middle part or the end of the third round and get him on your team. Now, to me, I was never a huge Geist guy, Jason. I, I didn't draft him in any of my dynasty leagues, and maybe I'm wrong there. To me, middle part to the end uh, part of the third round for a guy who I'm not sure is going to catch a lot of passes this year with, with Chris Thompson still there, that seems a little rich uh, for my taste for Geist. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, Obviously, he was a very good running back in college. I uh, I was kind of the same way on my dynasty teams. Didn't take him whatsoever. But I have heard good things on him. Um, say uh, say there's a very good chance that he's going to start the ball and he's going to run it. So, I mean, yeah, Chris Thompson, unfortunately, he's not going to get any catches. I mean, with Chris Thompson there, that's for sure. They're going to play him quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like the – Early third is definitely too early. Uh, late third, I could maybe try it, but uh, but I do like guys like you know I I feel like guys Collins they're probably pretty close, and if you can get Collins around around later, I mean that might be your answer right there, right? So yeah, I, and and I mean there's other guys that are that are going after him. I mean like I, I'm not saying I necessarily like these guys head and shoulders better, even better at all, but like Kenyon Drake, Rashad Penny are both going after him. Yep. We talked about that that fourth yeah. round. It, it's littered with with running backs there. Ronald Jones, Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle, Derrick Henry, and then Collins, Jay Ajayi, and then uh, Royce Freeman going right after that in the early fifth too. So to me, I don't know if, if the disparity between Geis and the rest of those guys represents like a round and a half of value. I, I might go with a, a receiver, or, you know, certainly you go with a Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Evan Ingram, if you want to get a tight end there as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I probably will not have guys on a whole lot of uh, drafts this year. That said, if he makes a couple of big plays in preseason, I might have to reevaluate, you know, if, if, uh, if he's demonstrating it on the field, we'll see what happens. There, there's a ways to go. We'll see what the reports are coming out of training camp. But yeah, the fact that Chris Thompson's there and uh, as far as we know, he's healthy that is really going to dip into uh, his pass-catching potential. Uh, Nick Chubb appears to have a pretty good shot at getting the bulk of the every-down carries, uh, even early in the season, according to Pat McManaman, who uh, writes for ESPN. Uh, Nick Chubb is going to be contending with uh, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, who we'd imagine Duke Johnson is going to be the third-down guy there. But if Chubb you know, really takes the ball and runs with it. Maybe he becomes the third down or the, the three down guy there for as long as he's healthy. 
Uh, Nick Chubb is a guy that we haven't really talked about as much as rookie running backs as we've touched on so far. Nick Chubb, uh, not going until the the, uh, early eighth round. I mean, right, we're talking about Carlos Hyde, Marshawn Lynch, Rex Burkhead territory. To me, I mean, I I know it's a crowded backfield, Jason, but the unknown there and and the upside and and the eighth round, boy, I, I like Nick Chubb at that spot. Yeah, in the eighth round, I mean, you can't go wrong. I, th- I think uh, getting someone like this, he could easily steal steal a job, you know, the last six games into it for sure. Um, I'm a little bit worried, honestly, about his uh, first few weeks for sure. I, I mean, I don't think they're high to $5 million a season for, you know, not to use him. So I think he will be involved. But if, if – I mean, if Chubb definitely is the quicker, faster back, I, I don't think Cleveland at this point is scared to uh, push him aside. I mean, he's not probably going to get his catches, but uh, that that offense could be scary. I mean, they got some of the you know, best uh, catchers in the league, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, it could definitely open up things for the running game. Yeah, it definitely could, and uh, we'll we'll have to see what you know how that plays out. But I think getting the Cleveland again. We talk about these riddles you need to unwrap and get right if you want to win a, a title this year. Um, the, the Cleveland running game is, like, is something that you're gonna you need you're gonna need to hit on or at least get it. Um, you know, know who to avoid if you're not going to pick the right guy there, or maybe just avoid it entirely and, and go a different way. But I think Nick Chubb in the eighth round represents a value right now. Uh, shifting over yeah. to the tight end position, George Kittle actually added some muscle mass during the off season. And uh, he's hoping that that's going to prevent some of the soft tissue injuries that he had uh, throughout the 2017 campaign. He's uh, also been practicing, and this is good. I mean, this is something that you would think he'd work on in high school and college, but he's working on catching the ball away from his body uh, when he's been working out with Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Beathard. This is all in Curtis Pashelka's report from the San Jose Mercury News. He was a fifth-round pick out of Iowa, which is kind of becoming tight end U right now. Uh, as far as college football goes. But he's a fifth-round pick last year. And uh, George Kittle this year, uh, as far as uh, his ADP in drafts, uh, it's not insanely high. You are looking at uh, – I just had it up here, and now I can't find it. Uh, here it is, 704 in drafts. Uh, he's going before the likes of uh, Jack Doyle, but going right after Jordan Reed and Trey Burton in the sixth round. So, George Kittle, I mean, I, I don't know if I would advise um, him as your – number one tight end, but certainly if you wait on the position and you're not drafting a, a tight end until the seventh round, that's not a bad way to do it with an up-and-coming quarterback, a smart uh, offensive mind running the team in, in San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan. Your thoughts on George Kittle and how good he could be this year, Jason? Yeah, I think he kind of falls in line with like uh, maybe a little bit more upside than ASJ for sure. Um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's got to have some sort of security blanket there and uh, I mean, other than Garcon and uh, the deep ball, the good one, I mean, uh, Kittle's your man. Um, this is going to be his, his second season, and, and tight ends also get better as they kind of progress here. So um, I, I do feel like he is could have some pretty good value in the seventh for sure right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at the receivers that are there. Pierre Garcon's, uh, you know, not a spring chicken anymore, and he's coming off a uh, season-ending uh a neck injury that, that put him on IR. Marquise Goodwin was, was sort of, you know, just a speed guy um, for the bulk of his career. And then he sort of came on, uh, you know, in the middle of the last season. And maybe he can sustain that. Maybe he can't. 
Um, but George Kittle, I mean, the opportunities there, and it's not like they – and then uh, they, they draft Dante Pettis in the second round, and they're talking about using him a lot on special teams. So I'm not sure what threat he poses to Kittle's target share, at least in his rookie year. So I think there's some upside uh, with Kittle there as well. And, and, like, I agree with you, certainly more than Austin, Safari, and Jenkins. Let's get into uh, to fantasy feedback here tonight, Rob, and answer some questions. If you've got a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at HSFFHour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com or at HSFFHour on Twitter. First email tonight, ladies and gentlemen, comes to us from Jim in Fort Smith, Arkansas. He writes, what's up, Balky and not Dave? <laughs> Saw an interesting stat from Draft Sharks about one of Dave's favorite whipping boys, Randall Cobb. He has seven top 30 wide receiver finishes and six top 22 finishes in eight years, but is not being picked until the 36th receiver off the board in the ninth round of FFPC drafts. He's still only 27. So what gives? Why isn't he being drafted higher? Happy fourth, guys. Thank you for the email, Jim, in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. Uh, you know, this is interesting. Dave has never been the biggest Randall Cobb fan, Jason, and I, I feel like I've spent time defending Cobb on this show quite a bit. No Jordy Nelson now in Green Bay, and you would think that Cobb is the de facto number two receiver, maybe number three uh, target option behind Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams in that offense. But, you know, you look at what Cobb's been able to do in the league thus far and the fact that, you know, you can get him in the ninth round. There's there's some upside there. There's some value there. What kind of season do you think uh, is in store for Mr. Randall Cobb? Uh, I mean, yeah, it depends on this mysterious uh, surgery that he has there. Um, but uh, I think he'll be solid. I mean, I, I do feel, honestly, that he might be still number three there, unfortunately, with Jimmy Graham there. Um, but I think he could definitely have an uptick in yards from, from the last couple of seasons. I mean, he broke onto the scene, and I think uh, he disappointed a lot of owners over the last two, three years, and that's why he's probably slipping and slipping. Um, it's tough to uh, – you get kind of a love-hate relationship with these players sometimes, and uh, you just can't get away from that. So, um, But I think, I think he could have definitely value. I still would like to see uh, – maybe later on and see uh, see if Green Bay is happy with their wide receiver course, see if they maybe do uh, look into picking up someone uh, uh, towards the beginning of the season. That might be a might change things. Um, and I'll say this, too, uh, about Cobb. You brought it up, this, this, you know, the fact that he was spotted in a walking boot by a reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, it, it, and we don't, you know, we don't, I mean, he wouldn't even – the fact that he didn't say he had surgery on it or, or wouldn't say whether he did to me suggests that, yeah, he probably there's a decent shot that he actually did have surgery on it. And he says he's going to be ready uh, for week one of the season. Uh, I've seen him dip uh, his value drip, dip in drafts right now from that early ninth round to the late ninth, the 10th. And in some cases, um, even the early 11th round uh, he's, he's going there. So I, I think that it might get a little bit worse before it gets better for Randall Cobb as, as far as, um, you know, uh, his draft capital goes right now. Um, the thing is, right where he's going now, I mean, I like Pierre Garcon there. I like Cooper Cup there. I like Jamison Crowder there. I mean, like significantly more 
than Randall Cobb. And I, I feel like as long as those receivers are there, uh, I'm, I'm going to cho- choose those guys over Cobb right now. He's got to drop a little bit further for me in order to, uh, in order for him to find his way onto my team. Let's move on to Caleb in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey gents, Joe Mixon continues to climb up FFPC boards. And it seems like you've had a, a lot of varying opinions on him so far this season for your guests on the show but would you take him in the late second or early third if you were drafting now? Thank you for the email. That is Caleb, Louisville, Kentucky. Maybe I'll see him at the KFFSC this year. So you look at uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Jason, and this is a guy who, who has he, he has really ascended uh, up draft boards um, to uh, the end. I think he's a 212 is his ADP right now. Uh, and he actually has gone as early as the late first. Uh, so he is certainly ascending. Joe Mixon, can, can you still get value for him? You know, is that still a good spot to be taking him at that two, three turn? Mm, I mean, I, I don't know. I wish I loved the, the Cincinnati offense more. Um, I just don't. And then you need also a good offense uh, for a good running back. That's, that's the only issue. So I kind of feel like he might be a little bit overvalued right now. I mean, uh, if I'm wrong about Cincinnati, then that's one thing. But uh, I just feel like uh, if uh, if they're behind in game, obviously, what do they get away from the run game, right? So if they're losing a lot of games, which I think they could be, Mixon um, might hurt. Might feel those kind of stats go down. I know that you know it's tempting because they've they've improved, or at least they made the attempt to improve uh, the offensive line. You'd like to think that um, you know no Jeremy Hill there means more opportunities for Mixon. And the fact that they've uh, they switched offensive coordinators, you know, whatever it was, four or five games into last season, um, and that really freed uh, Mixon up to to do some damage. And I don't think he really – he didn't explode like I know I thought he would have. Um, but uh, he, he did put up um, some some pretty good games. And whether or not that continues into 2018 is, is up for debate. I'd like to think it would. I also – like to think that I, I will find somebody else at that two, three turn uh, rather than mix in there. Yeah. If I, if I was going to go, like if, if I wanted to go crazy and um, you know, not take bell or Gurley or somebody like that and take an Antonio Brown or Deandre Hopkins early, then I could see Mixon as my number one running back in the second round. I just don't, I feel like I'd, I'd be more comfortable letting somebody else take him. Yeah, I agree. Mark in Springfield, Mass, with no Graham and Richardson in Seattle. Why isn't Tyler Lockett getting more love in drafts right now? Thank you for the email. Mark, uh, Tyler Lockett, I can tell you, is not getting a ton of love, uh, like Mark is alluding to. 1405 is where he is going in drafts right now. And, and to me, you know, they, they, it's not like Seattle has like a Darren Sproles, Chris Thompson, Theo Riddick type pass catcher in the backfield. They don't have a prolific pass catching tight end. They do have a target hog in, in Doug Baldwin as the number one receiver. But the fact that Seattle's defense shouldn't be what it was the last few years, the fact that they might be playing from behind um, a, a little bit more than they've been accustomed to, wouldn't you think that the number two receiver, uh, if he is the number two receiver on this team, uh, would be going a little bit higher than the 14th round? I, I love Tyler Lockett in the 14th round at, at that point, Jason. Yeah, I mean the 14th round. I, I mean, obviously, uh, he's not a uh, he's a guy with good upside for sure. I mean, I, I don't know if he is number two. That's the only thing. I think that's why he's slipping. Uh, I mean, they did they did bring in Brandon Marshall. Um, see where he's at. So 
he could easily be number two there. So, yeah, but if Lockett actually steals number two job, I, yeah, he could definitely definitely pull pull up some numbers. I mean, in the last couple of years, he's only averaged about forty five catches or so, but uh, he could easily bring it up a few for sure to fifty five or so. Um, definitely got the wheel. You know, it's interesting too, is, is you bring up Marshall and um, Jaron Brown too, is another free agent that they signed uh, up there. Marshall's going in the 25th round of, of FFPC best ball drafts right now. And uh, Jaron Brown's not going to the 27th. So basically any receiver not named Doug Baldwin, you can basically have almost at any point uh, in, in drafts right now. So whoever you believe in, um, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is uh, behind that guy and uh, you'll be able to get them pretty easily. Uh, okay, we alluded to this earlier with uh, the Denver Brown game. This is from Brian in Chicago, Illinois. Dear John and Terrell, how do you guys see this Denver running game shaping up, and which guys should I draft in leagues, Freeman or Booker? Thanks so much. Thank you for the email, Brian. Before you answer this, Jason, I will tell you that Royce Freeman's ADP uh, currently is at the 503 uh, in drafts. Devontae Booker is not actually being selected until the 1204. So you're looking at seven rounds of disparity. So here's, here's the way I'll, I'll form, I'll form this question for Brian. He wants to know Freeman or Booker. I will also throw in, um, would you advise getting both of them, especially in a best ball draft, or would you avoid it entirely? How, how do you attack the Denver running game in drafts? Uh, I'd probably honestly avoid it entirely. I just, I feel like, Yes, you could back yourself up with Booker the 12th and get Freeman in the 5th, but there's a lot of guys in the 5th that I'd probably value a little bit more rather than that two-headed monster without knowing anything. So, I'd avoid this situation. Um, Booker, if if, if you ended up with Booker in the 12th and you didn't get Freeman, I mean, it's not a bad crapshoot in the 12th round for sure if you do land a starting running back. So. I feel like I've, I've asked this of uh, almost everybody who's come on and, and given, you know, your, your skill with dynasty, uh, I, I will bring up that I own Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas in, in a few different leagues uh, that I manage. How do you look at their 2018 season with Trevor Simeon out the door and Case Keenum slinging the rock? I mean, they've got to have better years than they did last year. Do you like either? And I'll, I'll frame, I own them in dynasty, but let's frame this as a redraft question. Do you like either of those guys uh, this year? I mean, are they going to find either of those guys going to find their way onto any of your rosters? Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I think I think both will slip like they have been slipping. So I think some will sneak onto my rosters for sure. Uh, I honestly both will improve. I, I mean, I think Keenum's a far better quarterback than Simeon. Uh, I think their offense will get going with uh, a little bit better with uh, Freeman or Brooke Booker. So I, I think everything's improved for sure. Um, they still don't really have a tight end. Um, so I mean, Freeman's, or, I mean, Sanders and, and Thomas are definitely going to get the ball. Um, so yeah, I, I believe they're going to have a little bit of a uptick for sure. Um, still a little dicey, but uh, but they still both can put up good numbers for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and as far as where you can get them, right? I I know I keep bringing this up, but I know people will ask, hey, Balky, when when can I get these guys? Emmanuel Sanders going at the um, eight, nine turn uh, of, uh, of drafts right now in the FFPC and uh, Demarius Thomas right at that four or five turn. So uh, decent value on him right now, <clears throat> but take that for a grain of, with a grain of salt, given uh, my proclivity to owning them in dynasty. Uh, final question <laughs> here tonight. And it is from John in Hayward, California. 
Uh, hey, Balky and Beavers, from a redraft standpoint, who would you draft first this year, Howard or Njoku? And also, which tight end do you value more in Dynasty? That is John in Hayward, California. Last year was the quote-unquote year of the t- rookie draft, year of the tight end. We saw a lot of them go uh, super early. Uh, David Njoku, usually a late first-round pick. O.J. Howard, a mid-first-round pick in FFPC rookie drafts. You look at them, <clears throat> we'll answer the redraft portion of this uh, first, Jason. Which guy do you like better for the 2018 season? Uh, is it O.J. Howard or is it David Njoku? Yeah, they're close, that's for sure. I probably slightly leave to Njoku, but uh... – but it's close. I mean, I, I feel like, obviously, they signed back great for a reason. So, um, I think Bray, Cameron Braden and uh, and Howard will kind of split the duties there again. Uh, but there's so much more upside to Majuku for sure. So, and, probably slightly more towards Majuku. And, and I would imagine if I was – like, <clears throat> if we were doing some sort of dynasty trade and I said, you know, I got too many young tight ends on my team, I'll, I'll throw one your way. You can either have O.J. Howard or David Njoku as a, as a throw-in, uh, you know, on, on this deal or what have you. Which one would you pick for dynasty? Do you like Howard better or Njoku? I think I like Howard still. I think I like Howard still, dynasty. But, again, it's close. I mean, I, I, I think both of them can be – be great tight ends in the next few years for sure. What about I just, I just you know I just feel, go ahead. Sorry, I, I just feel like uh, I mean Howard definitely will be on the field a lot more. I mean he definitely just uh, can pass block uh, a lot better, and I, I think he'll just get so much more playing time. So I think in the long run, I think he'll be similar to Greg Olson. So that's kind of why I lean towards Howard. Let me let me throw this at you because uh, I just thought of it. What if you're in an FFPC, like a main event or a football guys draft or what have you, um, and you avoid tight end? You don't. You're stacking your running backs. You're stacking your receivers, and you let's say you have a late eighth round. You know your your draft. You have a um, you know we're picking one or two in the draft or whatever. So you have a late eighth round pick. David and Joku going at the eight ten. Uh, on average and OJ Howard going at the eight eleven, So there's a chance you could actually get both of them. What if you avoid tight end, you know, up until that point in the draft yeah. and then you grab both of them back to back. What, what, how sound of a strategy would that be? And, and utilize those two guys as your top two tight ends. Yeah. I mean, uh, that could work. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised one definitely, uh, Definitely. So maybe both do. Uh, so it's not, maybe not a bad strategy for sure. Uh, and then, I mean, there's always uh Later ones that you can get, if, if you left all your tight ends, I mean, there is ASJ. And then, I mean, even maybe Ben Watson, you know, really late, uh, yeah, back with uh, Drew Brees. So I think that would be a good strategy, getting both those young guys for sure. Well, listen, uh, I certainly uh, appreciate uh, all the insight that you brought to the table tonight, Jason. Uh, you answered a lot of our listeners' questions. You answered a lot of my questions as well as I'm trying to, you know, uh, get dialed in for the 2018 drafting season. We will uh, definitely uh, wish you good luck in all your leagues and uh, best of luck to you in pros versus Joe's. We'll be covering your draft live on July 31st on the high stakes fantasy football. We're seeing uh, if you do end up taking Ezekiel Elliott at three, or if you go with somebody else, <laughs> uh, I, I love, uh, you know, don't feel compelled, but if you want to give us a, a buzz and make a pick on the air that night, that would be great. I would certainly love to hear uh, from you again. Let us know how the draft is going. Uh, I have a feeling you are going to handle it uh, with, uh, with class and a plum and you will be um, uh, 
you know, if not dominating, certainly one of the teams to beat in that draft for sure. So thanks so much for co-hosting with me tonight, man. I, I really appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks for having me. Jason Stees, ladies and gentlemen, approaching $250,000 in uh, career winnings in his uh, high stakes career. And uh, many, 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 many titles. Hopefully we'll see him in the off the grid again this year. We will see him in pros versus Joe's and we'll see him drafting live uh, out in Vegas uh, again this year. So awesome stuff from him tonight. What a treat to have him on. Uh, I want to thank Jason, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course you. We will be back next Friday. And I have breaking news on this. I just confirmed that uh, our guest next week, Dave will be back and we will be talking with Kino Moss, Kino Moss, the uh, co-manager of uh, Eric Young, who is actually going to be, uh, these guys will be drafting in the pros versus Joes together. They've won a boatload of uh, main events and football guys league titles over the years. And Kino will join the show next week. He just literally, literally just confirmed uh, via email. I just saw on my phone. So that, that'll be exciting to be able to talk to him. I want to remind everybody not only to register for the, uh, the main events, uh, but for, uh, Best Ball and Dynasty League now at myffpc.com. And, of course, the Football Guys Early Bird. It ends tomorrow. Hopefully you're not listening to this show next week sometime and you've already missed it. Saturday, June 30th, midnight Pacific time. Get in on that. Buy the team. Draft it by July 15th. You get a free $35 FFPC credit. And uh, you can do it up to three times. It is uh, definitely worth it to do that. Happy 4th of July to everybody out there. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. About to call your ass a Uber, I got somewhere to be. I hear fairy tales about how they gon' run up on me. Well, run up when you see me, then we gon' see. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies. Got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. Trying to take the wave. I have to start keeping, maybe not mental notes, but actually writing this down of what people plan on doing with their pros versus Joe's picks. We have... Um, uh, Jason Steve saying he's probably leaning towards Ezekiel Elliott at the 103 in his draft. We'll have to see if he does that. Also listening to the On the Couch episode with uh, Sigmund Bloom and Mike Taglier from, uh, well, Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros and Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. Sigmund Bloom will be participating in Pros versus Joe's again this year. And he has the eight pick. And he said if Rob Gronkowski is out there with, uh, with that eighth pick, he's taking him there. And I can tell you, um, he... Uh, his ADP is the 202, and the highest I, he has gone uh, since the Edelman suspension was announced is the 109. So Sigmund Bloom would be breaking new territory on Rob Gronkowski if he does take him at the 108. So those are the two ones I know, and uh, it'll be fun when we get a chance to uh, cover pros versus Joe's. Thanks a lot uh, for listening, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful and safe 4th of July. <laughs>